0: Hey, Marlins fans, before we get started, just want to talk to you for a second about BetDSI, our presenting sponsor here on Swings and Misses of the Five Reasons Sports Network. All of the games this weekend in the NFL, in the playoffs, are right here on Dsi. That's the Chiefs hosting the Colts, the Rams hosting the Cowboys, the Patriots hosting the Los Angeles Chargers, and the Saints hosting the defending champion Philadelphia Eagles. That's right. The Saints hosting the Eagles. The Saints are an eight-point favorite against the Eagles, and I know the Saints have been great, but that feels like a lot. That said, Drew Brees at home, it's tough to bet against them. The interesting game to me is the Patriots and the Chargers. The Patriots are a four-point favorite. But man, has anybody been playing better football? then the Los Angeles Chargers. Philip Rivers and company have looked great. So make sure that you go on to betdsi.com, use our promo code SWINGS101, that's SWINGS101, to double your initial deposit up to $2,500. That's SWINGS101 on BetDSI. And now, Swings and Mishes. And thanks again for tuning in to a special episode of Swings and Mishes, uh, you Marlins fans, as we are without... The Mishes part of Swings and Mishes. No Craig Mish today, but I am joined. Oh, by the way, if you don't already know this, which you probably should if you've been listening to this podcast, but hey, maybe there's some new ones. I'm Jeremy Taché. I'm your producer and today uh, co-host of Swings and Mishes, and I'm joined by our very special uh, sub in guest, our substitute guest, uh, and that is Michael Sunbake. So, Dutch Bake on Bake. How you doing, bud?
1: Good. How are you? I'm the third man of the year. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. Instead of six man of the year, he's he's, he's got provided some uh, valuable minutes off the bench for us. Uh, so Dutch, Dutch is always joining us. And um, for those of you who don't, I'll I'll put the plug here at the beginning of the pod. Follow Dutch on Twitter at Dutch, Dutch B E E K, but that's Dutch Bake, uh, because he is just full of hot takes. Just so many of them; they're constant, and it always, uh, it always, I enjoy. His takes and what I enjoy even more are some of the people within our own network here at Five Reasons responding to his takes and all of the conversation that ensues. So that's a blast. Um, as you guys can tell, we don't have a lot to talk about today uh, based off that minute and a half introduction. But uh, we do really want to update you uh, the best we can in terms of the JT Rumuto, uh sweepstakes or lack thereof. Uh, at the moment and where things sort of stand and what Dutch and I sort of think is going to unfold and what really should unfold from a Marlins perspective going forward. Also we'll have Marlins arbitration coming up tomorrow and and a couple other things we want to get to. But first again, we're starting with JT. Uh, If you guys listened last week, Craig gave you a full in depth, uh, Review of where what's gotten us to where we are now in terms of jt and the Marlins and where jt might be traded. Uh, so if you haven't listened to that episode and you're listening to this right now, I would suggest that you go back and listen to what Craig shared with us last week. Uh, it was really providing a great perspective on how we've gotten to where we are right now and the teams that have been involved, some of the names that have been involved um, for those of you that did not listen or did listen and just want a quick refresher course on the percentages. You can find these on Craig Mish's Twitter at Craig Mish, but for purposes of this podcast, I am going to restate them. And that is at the moment, the leader in the clubhouse, we have the Atlanta Braves. They're at 35% chance to land JT. Then the Tampa Bay Rays at 20%. Then both the Astros and the Reds at 15%. And then the field at another 15%. Notice the Marlins are not on there. So we're still pretty sure that JT will not be a Miami Marlin, uh, Come the 2019 season. And so, Dutch, you know, it's been a while since you've had you on here. And, I, and I'm just mm-hmm. intrigued to know what do you think about where everything's at right now? And if you're the Marlins, how are you approaching uh, the rest of this discussion in terms of trading JT?
1: Well, one thing I'm surprised actually is with Kike's percentages is JT, uh, the Marlins not being listed. Mm-hmm. I feel like, I don't know, just my opinion it feels like that I would say there's a great, greater chance that he at least reports to spring training with the Marlins. Okay. Like, I don't know, like, we're what, a month away from spring training? Pitchers and catchers report about, yeah, about a month. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He seems like it's going to trend towards – I mean, obviously, I'm not discounting Craig in any
0: – Right. No, I understand. This is just from from trying to think of it from a perspective of – Well, if they don't get it done soon, what has to happen?
1: Yeah. And I think, in a way, they've kind of messed this up. I think they're trying to right their wrongs of trades of past with holding on, trying to get, you know, apparently they've asked for Bellinger, they've asked for um, Albies, you know. So I think they're trying to right their wrongs with trades of past. They feel like they screwed up, which I honestly don't think it was that bad.
0: I don't think any but, of them have been that bad, to be honest. Yeah. With
1: so, I don't know. I think uh, they've messed this up a little bit by holding on too long. I think I don't think they're going to get the value as they once were, as they once thought, like, well, a couple months ago. So, okay. yeah, that's the way I am
0: with this. Yeah, I think uh, I can understand where where you're thinking, and I think your thought process is similar to many Miami Marlins fans, especially, that are thinking at this point, All right, well, if we haven't moved him yet, then maybe, just maybe, there's a slim chance of hope that he does end up with the Marlins. That said, I find it really hard to imagine that after all of this trade talk, after everyone knows JT no longer wants to be in Miami, after it's been made... Without saying it, it's pretty much been said by the Marlins that they're looking to trade JT. With all of the smoke around it, it's hard for me to imagine there's not fire before spring training. That you end up going into spring training with that being your only story when the story really should be, and not that it's, you know, not that this is a great one, but the story should be the rebranding, the excitement around that the the build the theoretically prospects coming into spring training guys like Victor Victor Mesa showing up Brinson showing up for a second year maybe Monte Harrison reporting to spring training you want more talk around all of the good positive things that are coming from this build rather than the last domino that has to fall before the build is sort of truly started right or you want you could say started you could say complete either which way you're in a space where I don't think you want that happening. And so uh, I I believe that, you know, I'm still the feeling. And and of course this is in large part because I've been having so many conversations with Craig through this whole process that the Braves have been on this from the start. And, you know, something we were talking about a little bit before we started taping was Yasmany Grandal signing. So Mm Yasmani Grandal now signs with the Brewers and That's kind of the domino that I think needed to drop that actually helps the Marlins, where some people might feel like maybe it hurts them because they don't have a solid major leaguer to sign as his replacement, and now maybe they might be more inclined to try to keep JT. I think it does the opposite because teams like the Braves um, that are just in okay catching situations, you know, maybe teams like the Astros, teams... Uh, Obviously, obviously the Reds and the Rays are are in different spaces than the Braves and the Astros. But, heck, for that matter, the Dodgers. You know, there are teams that could use JT, and now that there are no legitimate great starting catchers, you know, Ismani Grandal is a a plus starting catcher in this league. Um, Now that there are no other ones really out there for the taking, it might convince a team to give up a little bit more than they were prepared to, say, a week ago. Um, And that's sort of where I imagine things might be at the moment, but it is interesting that nothing has gone down yet You know, as we approach arbitration tomorrow.
1: Well, I think maybe these teams are a little bit hesitant because if you look at the two teams that seem to be the favorites are the Braves and the Dodgers. And if the Marlins really want to get that established young MLB player, I think that's where a lot of the holdup is also coming from. Right. Because those two teams, Braves Moore, are young teams. You know, they're trying to add Muto, who's still what, like 27?
0: Yeah, he's in in his like middle, late 20s. Not like late 20s, but mid to late 20s. You know what I mean? Like
1: 27. (laughs) They're trying to add him to that young major league team. Right. I mean, the Dodgers are a little bit older, but I don't think they want to subtract one of their core young players just to add another one. So that's I think fair. that's that's where a lot of the holdup is coming from, which I think a better route for the Marlins might be just to do like a two-for-one, one-for-one with a team's top prospect.
0: Yeah. I. You know, it is – I think what's tough is the Marlins are in a very – a precarious situation because so much of this does come down to PR also, right? Like so much of it because mm-hmm. of the backlash of last year's trades, whether it's rightful or not, we've talked about before on this podcast, how you can't truly judge any of those trades until these guys have seen a couple of years in the big leagues. But after the backlash mm-hmm. of trading away an MVP uh, and what JT's potential is, I think the Marlins are being very careful about what they take in return and if it's just one major prospect, can they afford for that person to then flame out? And so it's really hard to make a swap, even if it is by the math of it, right? Whereby just looking at your farm system, you're hitting reset, you're taking a player that's hitting his prime now that you're not going to be good while he's at his best. And you're saying, well, let's just take a younger version of that, whether it's a catcher or some other position, right? If it's an outfielder, if it's an infielder, if it's a pitcher. Taking a top, top prospect, that's great. But to not have anything to back it up and have the entire trade rely on one player where, who might be an injury away even just from you know, a yeah. fluke thing happens, it's got to be really tough to pull the trigger, even if it's a top prospect. So I can imagine you're right. It's that type of situation where you say, you know, one for one might make sense for a top prospect in an organization, just take it, run with it. At the same time, it's tough because you need the backup to the collateral. And so that's where these trades can become so difficult. Um, and I know in, in future episodes, uh, Craig and I are going to try to get into some of what really goes down in making a trade. But mm-hmm. it's, it's going to be a tough situation to be Mike Hill in this front office trying to make sure that you're getting the best for what is a highly, highly valuable commodity, whether it's a a highly sought after commodity at the moment, no one is truly sure. None of us know until the trade is made how sought after that commodity might've been, Mm -hmm. but it's a valuable one to say the least, because, you know, and we can, and we can transition to this now through arbitration. If there is no extension reached with the Marlins, no multi-year extension and then a trade uh, JT right now is projected to make a little over $6 million next year for what J- for what JT Realmuto can bring to a ball club offensively and defensively that's such a bargain and to put that on a team that might already have a relatively high payroll uh or wants to spend elsewhere to make their team better that's a really valuable piece um and so it, it's a really tough spot but i you know as we've said continue to watch the Braves and see what they're willing to do on this and obviously you know, there has been some smoke about around Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, you know, that came up later in this process. And I think the more that comes up later in the process as teams are still out there, I know, you know, we have five or six teams out there, you know, from all sorts of different re- reports. But the more that comes up and the more names you see, as Craig mentioned last week, that's those are the types of teams uh, to keep an eye on. But But we'll transition over to arbitration since really how much more can we talk about JT uh, when it comes to arbitration JT's out there but there are four other players out there for the Marlins um, that are that are facing the arbitration deadline tomorrow that's Adam Conley, Miguel Rojas Stan Straley and Jose Ureña and I guess the question that I have for you Dutch is if if you were the Marlins it's not necessarily asking will any of these guys sign extensions before the arbitration deadline but more if you were in their position as the Marlins front office, how would you be approaching those four players uh, when it comes to trying to possibly reach a number for a singular year or a possible long-term extension? Are there any players on that list worth it?
1: Besides Ramuto, obviously. Right. Um, no, I don't think any of those guys are worth a long-term extension. Maybe Urania, but he's too, he's too up and down. To right. bet On long term, all these guys, I would say you go year to year with. Because honestly, going into twenty twenty, going into like halfway of twenty nineteen, do you expect Conley and especially Strayley to be on the Marlins next year or halfway through this season? Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't. I don't see them as being in their plans. Uh, so the only name that that intrigues me for an extension on that list is Urania because I still think he's. Has some he has high upside, right? Especially as a you know low end rotation guy, or I think personally he can be a pretty elite bullpen pitcher. Mm. So he would be someone that I would maybe consider, you know, swinging a two to three year deal with, but right, not not uh, Conley Rojas Estraley.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, Rojas obviously is not a. Uh, productive enough everyday starter mm-hmm. to extend for any sort of legitimate number. Um, but I, love, I, I love watching him play, but I think there's, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of Miguel Rojas in the league. Um, I, and I don't disagree with you on the concept of, of any of those other pitchers kind of being trade pieces, right? So Urania does have that upside and that clear, you know, possibility of being a really good pitcher. Because in the second half of the mm-hmm. year last year, or really, I guess, after the whole uh, Acuna incident, he was pretty lights out. Um, and yeah. he has. And
1: was it 28? 17? He was good in the first half, too.
0: Right. And so he's a guy with a lot of ability, but to sign someone like that long term is something that is, it's questionable. It's, it's taken yeah, it's, quite a gamble that I don't think the Marlins are necessarily in position to take. Um, And when it Mm -hmm. comes to Straley and Conley, I I, I definitely agree with you that there's very much a chance that Straley could be an arm. They move at the deadline. We all kind of thought that might happen this year. Um, And if Straley had been a little healthier earlier on, maybe he he might've been moved. Conley's an interesting one because, and I don't think that they, they will or should uh, sign Conley to an extension. And Mm -hmm. the likelihood is that if they use Conley in sort of the closer role or a late reliever role, they may very well do that and ship him out. I have two things to say about that first. I think Adam Conley still has the potential to be a, a great reliever. I think that Mm -hmm. his stuff is there. And if he could just repeat his mechanics and, and get to a a point where he's consistent, he really has that, like, you know, it's easy to go Andrew Miller, but I, and I won't go Andrew Miller, but he has that ability to be a really elite left-handed reliever. Um, the The other side of that is that even if he is the Marlins, should definitely try to be shopping him at the deadline because yeah, I was going to say
1: that gives you even <laughs> even more incentive to move him right. <laughs> to me <laughs> if he turns out to be that right. I mean,
0: because, well,
1: no, I, and, I have the philosophy of you never hold on to relievers. I well, think I
0: do too. Yeah, we've had that conversation. I think yeah. that was the first thing we talked about on this show ever. The two of us. Yeah, that keeping relieved that was and that was my second point. Actually, was that uh, why would you keep a reliever? you know like when you're not going to be competitive you're not you should not be holding on to relievers and if you want to expand on that you can't but it's to me that would be illogical so i i agree with you that i don't think the marlins should necessarily extend any of these guys
1: yeah i mean just to touch on the reliever thing i mean mm-hmm. i think the best way to speed up your rebuild is if you have a good relief pitcher trade him at the deadline like that's the that's why I was so upset last season when they didn't do it. Right. So yeah, Yeah, so that's all I got to say about
0: that. You and I don't always agree on everything in terms of philosophy. That is one thing that we are exactly in the same mindset about. And when it came to the deadline last year, I remember both of us sort of commiserating over the fact that there were no relievers traded. Um, Mm -hmm. Now it worked out, I guess with Victor Victor Mesa that bear claw became part of that salary, but ah, (laughs) nah, um, All right. So, so moving on um, real quick, and we're just going to touch on a couple of quick things and then wrap things up because this is not a week to extend this podcast too long, Uh, but a couple Mm -hmm. of quick, just MLB notes real quick. First, a little trivia um, courtesy of our guys from, from uh, fish stripes. Uh, So Jed Lowry just signed moments before we started recording this podcast Okay. for two years, $20 million. Okay. That's $20 million spent on an, On a position player, on a on a hitter, Mm -hmm. by the Mets, Mm -hmm. who was the last player that the Marlins signed for twenty plus million dollars that was a position player in free agency? I'll give you a few seconds here to think about it. Okay, like twenty million dollars combined. Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Because it's two years, twenty million dollars for Jed Lowry.
1: Position player. Um.
0: Three
1: it has to be Jose Reyes, right?
0: Jared Saltalamachia. Oh, that's right. And I just wanted to see right. Saltalamachia on this podcast. I just wanted to say <laughs> Saltalamachia, Saltalamachia, Saltalamachia. And thank you, Fish Stripes. <laughs> well, he got three
1: years, didn't he? He got three years.
0: I, I believe so. I, I, I didn't cross reference. I just believe our guys over at Fish Stripes that he got <laughs> 20 plus million dollars. Anywho, Uh, Going to the real conversation we had, so JT, I I think, has held up some of um, what is ultimately going to go down in in free agency. I think this move has kept some teams on the line longer than they intended to, whether that be someone like the Dodgers, maybe the Phillies. The Yankees were theoretically involved early on with JT. I think that, in turn, might be part of the reason why Bryce Harper and Manny Machado have yet to be signed. That said, over the last few years, free agency has been kind of strange in Major League Baseball where guys are getting you know, one-year deals that you expect to get multi-year deals, where guys are getting way less money that you expect to get a lot more money and they're betting on themselves. And now you have two franchise cornerstones in Bryce Harper and Manny Machado that are just out there and have remained out there and through the winter meetings are out there. And you know, there's some, there's some smoke around the Phillies and the White Sox and the Yankees, but Nobody's been signed. And I just want your thoughts, basically, on why do you think that that is? Why are Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, you know, is there risk to signing these guys, I guess, is is more the question. Like, are teams apprehensive to sign these two players?
1: I mean, I think that's their uh, reasoning behind it, that there's a lot of risk to give out a 10-year deal. But, and I think they, like, look at, some of the 10 year deals that went bad, but Harper and Machado is 25 and 26, I believe.
0: Right, they're young so guys.
1: That's a, a, to me, owners trying to get their fans to buy in, which a lot of fans surprisingly do. You know, they'll agree with, yeah, it's a risk to sign these guys for 10 years. How weird is years.
0: That? I always it's think really that's weird. strange when players, when fans sign with owners.
1: Yeah, you should never sign with owners. But, know. um, whatever it's especially on a especially about money that but, but that's, that's a conversation for a different podcast but um yeah no i i think a lot has to do with the 10 year deals that were given out to older players like Albert Pujols so right. you know someone like that but no these guys these uh Harper and, uh Machado they're going to give you at least 8 years of prime numbers right which will totally justify getting paid 30 million dollars a year mm-hmm. so this is like it goes back to, i think we talked about this here for the stanton yep uh stanton contract we have people say oh you know 13 years you've locked yourself in but you're getting like 10 years of hall of fame caliber talent right so you're tra- it's a trade-off of trading 10 you get 10 years for maybe paying for three down years. Right. Like it's, it's simple. It's simple math. You, you take 10 because 10 is better than three. Like you take 10 years of good baseball in exchange for three years of bad.
0: Yeah. I don't really understand the concern around these two guys. Look, I get uh, Bryce Harper. Like he legitimately has holes in his swing, right? He does. There are times where he slumps and Manny Machado, people consider to be a hothead or, you yeah. know, whatever. I don't buy it at all. I love the yeah. way Manny Machado plays. He plays hard. And if he's on the Yankees, he'll be the ultimate villain. And I'll love every second of it because mm-hmm. it's, it, he plays the game hard. Like, I understand that, yes, sometimes he doesn't run out of fly ball. It's a different game and it, the game's evolved. Look, I was the ultimate like everybody hustle out every base hit. Charlie Hustle. You know, that's who I was as a player. That's cuz I was a 5 foot 8 Jewish kid in high school. Like I had no choice but to hustle. If not, I would have been terrible. Manny Machado is more talented in his left pinky finger than than most players in the major leagues have in their whole body. Let alone you the common fan. So it's like I I find it so hard to to do that judgment of, like, ah, he's a lazy baseball player. Like, get out of here with that. He doesn't yeah. hustle. It, it doesn't make any sense. And he plays with such passion and such flair that, like, sure, he stepped on a guy. Like, that was dirty, right? Like, yeah. you know, but to me, like, those are the risks that you're concerned about. Bryce Harper, when he gets hot, is the one of the best hitters I've ever seen. And Manny Machado is a, is a cornerstone Gold glove shortstop that can hit 300 with 30 bombs. I don't understand how there's any hesitation and how these teams have been holding out in any way other than possibly waiting to find out if they're trading for JT and then what their number can be from there if they try to extend them. And in that case, I can understand certain teams waiting. But other than that, to me, there's no real reason to wait on trying to sign Manny Machado or Bryce Harper. And I don't really get it.
1: Yeah, I think it's just owners and uh, front office trying to just control the market.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, they don't want the players
0: controlling the market because, so, I mean... I mean, that's that's how it's worked out in the NBA, except they have a salary cap. If, if look at the NBA, mm-hmm. if they didn't have a salary cap, you'd have players making like $80 million. Like, they control... Oh, the yeah, market. for sure. <laughs> they control the market. <laughs> Like per year, I'm saying not eighty million dollars overall. Eighty million dollars per year. LeBron James in an open market. Oh yeah, like hundred. Yeah, I was gonna say LeBron James like
1: fifteen or twenty million dollars. It's right. ridiculous. It, it'd be I mean, ridiculous compared to, to wow. like his value. Like right, right when obviously you franchise. It's a good amount of money, but I mean, like it's ridiculous for LeBron James. Like you can compare him to if you if you would have played baseball, mm-hmm. you would have to like if there was yes. someone. As dominant as LeBron James, which I guess Mike Trout is kind of, but not as, yeah, it's different. If there was someone like LeBron James in baseball, you would have to give them your franchise. Like you right. have to give them a percentage of your right. franchise right. to have him on your team. Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And so it's one of those things where I, I'm very intrigued and I, I'm excited to see, I really do feel like, and and this is just, this is just me. This is gut. This is not info. I feel like in the next week, week and a half, this is all going to get resolved. Like with, with all of these players, with, with Bryce, with Manny, with JT, all these guys are going to end up wherever they are in the next few weeks. And thus, the rest of the dominoes will fall. Like, you know, the AJ Pollocks and Craig Kimbrels and all of these other guys that have yet to be signed. Um, I think it all sort of falls. It's, so weird. it's very strange. But the last thing uh, that we're going to cover real quick, and this is just a, a, a quick sort of either hot take or cold take or whatever type of take. Uh, Kyler Murray mm-hmm. uh, was supposed to play baseball. Starting to look like he's not going to play baseball. Maybe he is going to play baseball. Maybe he's going to do both. Uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, if you're not informed in other sports, Kyler Murray, the Heisman Trophy-winning quarterback from Oklahoma, uh, was drafted, I believe, ninth overall by the Oakland A's last year. Uh, yeah, I think that's he right. He had a $6 million signing bonus. He got $2 million up front, but has to recoup it if he decides not to play baseball. I believe those are the terms of the contract. Uh, and mind you, he won a Heisman Trophy as a quarterback. So he's considering going into the NFL draft. And Dutch, I'm just wondering, sort of, uh, do you think that's the right move? Um,
1: health-wise, no. But <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: financially, financially, probably. I think people have like a myth on the football to baseball financial benefits. right? Because if he goes first round, he's probably going to make more than $6 million yes. in his career. Yes, which is what his signing bonus is in baseball, I believe. Yeah, it was six million, right?
0: Yeah, it was it was a little over six.
1: Yeah. Okay. So in base, if he decides to go to the baseball route, he will get the six million dollar signing bonus, mm-hmm. and if he is even good at baseball, he right. doesn't reach free agency until twenty twenty six.
0: Yeah, you're right.
1: 2026 is when he'll get his next payday.
0: His next big payday.
1: His big payday, yeah. He -hmm. will be 32 years old, or 31, I believe, Mm -hmm. at that time. He plays football. He'll get whatever the rookie scale is for quarterbacks now. I think it's, what, like $20 million over your contract? It
0: depends on where you draft it. It it depends on where you draft it in the first round, but yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, assume he's going top 15. So let's say he gets... Ten at least like $10 million guaranteed, $15 million right. guaranteed. That's already more than his signing bonus. Right, And then he'll probably be a uh, free agent in 2021.
0: Right. Well, and the reality is too, like what you're bringing up there is he'll make more off the bat. And if he's bad at playing quarterback, he can always go play baseball. Yeah. If he's just not a good quarterback, he can always go back and play baseball where I'm not sure that that would be the case otherwise. The only guy that has done that, that went and played baseball first and then went back and played football was Brandon Whedon. And mm. ended up being a first-round pick yeah. did not work out very well for his career. Yeah. Now, I guess he was kind of a journeyman. Being a backup quarterback sometimes better than being an actual quarterback because you don't get hit, but you're not wrong. Like Financially, it's also, I think, one thing that I, in this, I don't know if this is hot takey or not, it's a lot easier to be a middle-of-the-road quarterback than it is to be good at baseball, right? And so the way that we look to be a good baseball player, right? It's a lot easier to just be a mediocre quarterback than it is to be a good baseball player. I don't think that's really hot takey. Uh, It's just a reasonable thing to say. And so it takes being, I think what people don't really understand is like, yes, there's guaranteed money in baseball, but you're not going to get those hundreds of million dollars uh, th- that we talk about with baseball guaranteed unless you're really, really good. And I know he was Pretty a good. top 10 pick, but it it's there. How many top 10 picks? How many w- number one overall picks flame out? Never get that big contract. Like it happens constantly. So to be as good as you need mm-hmm. to be at baseball, which is such a difficult sport, all Kyler Murray is going to have to do. If he's a top 15 pick in the first round is be like, Okay, and he'll get some sort of extension. Blake Bortles, yeah. Blake Bortles, who I love with all of my heart, but is a terrible okay. quarterback, got an extension. Got an extension based mm-hmm. off of his play over his rookie contract. Like, if he's just that good, he'll get some sort of extension. I don't think. I think that would be way easier of a path for Kyler Murray in a league that doesn't really allow you to hit the quarterback the same way that it used to we're not talking mm-hmm. about a guy that wants to play defense or wants to play running back as opposed to playing football. So the health parts of it like yeah, things happen, people blow out knees, there are head issues, there are concussions, Alex Smith's freak leg injury happens. But but it can have a different play. conversation than it than it was 15 years ago when it comes to playing quarterback. It's yeah. relatively safe compared to what it used to be. And those, some of those freak injuries happen in baseball too, like it, I kind of don't disagree with him for deciding football might be the right move. And we don't know for sure, but that's, that's the report right now.
1: And I love how we just finished talking about how Bryce Harper and Manny Machado aren't getting signed in free agency. Yep. And yet we're talking about some, base, some Heisman football player yep. should play baseball because in 10 years he right. might get another contract.
0: Right. That's the funny thing. And it's it's weird. And that's where I started, where I started in this conversation. I was with that mindset, though. I really did. I was like, it doesn't make any sense to go play football. You can get hurt, obviously. The injury, the brain injury part of it, is the thing that prevents you from wanting Mm. to play that sport. It's gladiators. It's modern-day gladiators, and it's kind of disgusting that we even still play that sport. To be honest with you, but and that's a whole conversation. But I love it, right? I love that sport, so I'm not going to be out here. You know, Mm. it's it's hypocritical of me to say these things, but I, it's it's modern-day gladiators, and so we're in this position where we're telling them to play something that's pretty dangerous, Mm -hmm. but at the same time, given the the structure of the position, given the fact that now it will take a long time to get up to the big leagues and to really make a name for yourself in that let alone we also only talked about the actual money on the field what about the endorsement deals like Mm -hmm. they come in baseball they really come if you're a quarterback yeah with that smile he's a Heisman trophy winner I mean come on It, it only makes sense so that's it. I I want the Dolphins to draft him.
1: Oh, me too. And why would why would he want to go? This was another thing that I always thought from the beginning of this process with him is why would he want to go from being a Heisman winner, being from being going from playing in the Orange Bowl, playing uh, you know, in Oklahoma at right. all these big stadiums to going and playing at Port St. Lucie, you Des know, Moines,
0: like Des Moines, Iowa. Yeah. yeah, like
1: he'll be lucky if he gets to play in Port St. Lucie.
0: Right. Like, right.
1: that's well, a nice and, place in the minor leagues outside of Jupiter.
0: And ride the bus and. Say, yeah. You, you know, know, on this,
1: like 100 mile bus rides. Like, why is that attractive to someone when yeah. he has the chance to be a literal superstar on the field and off the field?
0: How sad is this coming from two guys that are baseball first? Like, we're two, ba- yeah. we're, we're sitting here on a baseball podcast telling a guy not to play baseball, which is silly. But it's just, a, it's a very specific circumstance that I think allows, if he was not a quarterback, we might be having a different conversation, or we definitely would be having a different conversation. Uh, that said, one last thing I just want to add before we wrap up, this has nothing to do with our podcast, but it does have to do with uh, one of my favorite athletes of all time. That's Dwayne Wade. If you guys have not seen, um, heat beat put out a really amazing uh, video trying to get hashtag Wade Weekend going. Um, and getting Dwayne Wade to the all-star game. Uh, It's important that today and tomorrow, um, so if you're listening to this on Friday, that means it's your last day to do this, where you can vote on NBA.com for the all-star game. Your vote counts twice. I think all of us would love to see Dwayne Wade in the all-star game. Uh, Yes, it makes the all-star game seem like kind of a funny thing, but isn't that the whole point? And to see him and uh, LeBron on the same court together would be pretty cool. I imagine LeBron would draft him. I don't know. I just I think it's important. We're working through it uh, with five reasons. If you look at all the hashtags one last chance, one last dance, one last weekend, it's all of it. But Alf did a pretty amazing job uh, narrating that video. The Miami Heat beat guys put that together really well. And uh, you can find it on my Twitter, on Dutch's Twitter, on really anybody involved with the Five Reasons Sports Network. And I just wanted to put that out there uh, that that would be important to check out. So uh, Dutch, any final thoughts before we uh, wrap up. Uh, you hate fun if you don't vote for Wade. Yeah, you hate fun if you don't vote for, vote for Wade. Also, justice better.
2: Hey, everybody. Seth Levitt and O.J. McDuffie of the Fish Tank here, but we're not diving in with a great story right now. Instead, we want to tell you about an incredibly fun upcoming charity event benefiting the Jason Taylor Foundation. That's right, Big Seth. Whiffle Blast. Man, I can't wait. I know you're fired up, Juice. The third annual Whiffle Blast presented by Funky Buddha Brewery and Sports Chiropractic and Natural Health Solutions will take place on Saturday, January 19th at Pine Trails Park in Parkland. Man, you guys do a great job with this event. I played last year with my son and a couple friends, and we really had a blast. From the competition, to the home run derby, to the kids zone. It was just a perfect day from start to finish. Do I still have time to get my team in? Yeah, we got you, Juice. We still have room for a few more teams as well. And since the Five Reasons Sports Network is a media partner for the event, the foundation is offering $100 off the cost of a team. if you use They the have code. a team? Yeah, they have a team. Ethan and those guys. I mean, there's some studs on that team. I can't roster. wait to play them. We'll put you guys in the same division. Alright, that's what's up. So we're going to put Five Reasons and Juice in the same division, and if you sign up now, you can be in that division as well and get a hundred dollars off the cost of a team if you use the code five reasons. That's the number five reasons. And the best part of it all, OJ, is that your donation will help support children battling cancer as well as pediatric emergencies. Yeah, you know that's what matters most. Absolutely, it is. For more information, visit jasontaylorfoundation.org or call nine five four-four two four-zero seven nine nine Ethan. Get that arm warmed up.